was. I mean, I mean he, he just straightforward. Because she told him, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? And that's when Job even himself declares how that God has given and God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He even says, and we've looked at it before, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We've looked at that. You look at all these positive things and you say, why did God rebuke Job? Did Job gripe and complain too much? Was that the reason? I can tell you he did gripe a little bit. He did struggle. He wasn't a super, as we would say, he was a super Christian. No, he wasn't. He was as human as you and I, and he had his own issues of saying how horrible it was, and honestly, he, he reached his limit too. And you would, if you were in his shoes, having not only the issues you're facing, but then miserable company to tell you it's all your fault. He didn't have somebody at the hospital saying, it's going to be okay, we're going to pray you through this. No, no, he had three fellows there looking at him saying, well, we know what the problem is, Job. What did you do? We know there's sin, Job. You, you thought you were all righteous. Oh, you thought you were all, all great. Oh, we know, Job. This is the evidence of God's punishment on your life, Job. I mean, that miserable company. Real helpful individuals. I, I, I personally believe that uh, when, when they're referred to as Job's friends, I really do believe that is the, one of the most sarcastic statements uh, in the Bible. But the much-needed reality check we get because of what God does to Job, not in what he allowed Satan to do as the adversary, but what God does at the end of the book of Job. And, uh, and to get there, I'm, I, let, me, let me give you chapter 31. Actually, before I get there, well, <clears throat> there is so much to cover. Y'all just bear with me, okay? Let me, I'm going I'm to pray, and then we're going to jump in because there's not a good way once we get started to really break this down, okay? So let me pray and ask the Lord to help us through this and that it be clear, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to look at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a very fast quick overlay of the entire book of Job, what each chapter is all about, and then we're gonna, I'm going to read chapter 31 with you, okay? But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. I pray that you'd help us as we look at this. We need your help. Only you can show us uh, what, uh, what needs to be seen, and Lord, uh, what we need to know and learn, and only you can place it deep within our hearts uh, to learn the lesson that even Job himself learned in this life. I pray that you would give us uh, that opportunity today to see and learn and gain wisdom with knowledge. And again, we need your help. We pray that you do what only you can do. We'll give you the honor and glory for it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, let me give you very quickly a rundown of, of the, the book of Job, all right? So there is 42 chapters. Like I know y'all thinking right now, we're never getting out of here, all right? Here they are. You, you don't even worry about writing them down because it's it, it not going to be able to, all right? Chapter 1, Satan is allowed to test Job and take Job's property and children. Chapter 2, Satan attacks Job's health by the allowance of God. Chapter 3, Job laments his birth. That's where he begins to really, really uh, pour out his, some of his complaint. 
Uh, chapter 4 and 5, Eliphaz begins to speak. Uh, chapter 6 and 7, Job replies to Eliphaz's words. Uh, chapter 8, Bildad begins to speak. Uh, and then chapter 9 and 10 is Job replying to Bildad. Then chapter 11 is Zophar. Uh, he begins to now speak. They're, they're, t- they're just taking turns. It's like tag teaming. All right? And then Job, in chapter 12 through 14, Job replies uh, to what Zophar has said. And then in t- chapter 15, Eliphaz comes back and accuses Job. And in chapter 16 and 17, Job replies to the accusation. Chapter 18, Bildad now speaks again, uh, doubling down. And Job then in chapter 19 replies to that. Job chapter 20, Zophar speaks again, doubling down on his words. And then chapter 21, Job is replying to that. Chapter 22, Eliphaz, he's the most outspoken individual putting his foot in his mouth 24-7. Eliphaz now speaks again. Uh, in, uh, in, in chapter 22, Job replies to that. Bildad speaks one last time, and Job replies to that. Then Job gives a summary defense. Then in 31, which we're about to read, uh, Job has his final appeal of, of things that he has to say. Then in verse 30, uh, chapter, chapter 32 through chapter 37, Elihu uh, rebukes Job and his three friends, but he doesn't just rebuke them. He then goes into a great monologue of, uh, of a, a number of things. He preaches a message. I mean, he preaches and he preaches and he preaches to all four of these individuals about who God is, his greatness. He's in control. I mean, and he just goes at it. Go back at some point and read chapter 32 through chapter 37 straight through what Elihu himself has to say. And once Elihu is done, by the way, God does speak, but God lets Elihu, who is the youngest of all of them, God lets him finish. He doesn't interrupt him. God lets Elihu have his say because he has waited and he has waited and he even says he has not spoken. He even let Job complete his long exercise of things we're going to read here in a minute, just the end of it in chapter 31. And he lets Job go into his full defense and say all that he's going to say. And then Elihu himself says what he is doing. He is now going to speak. I have kept my mouth shut. I was the youngest. Y'all are older than me. I let all you have your say, but shame on you. And that's what he does. He just comes out and says, shame on you, all three of you. You call yourself friends. And then he rebukes the the three friends. And then he looks at Job and says, Job, and shame on you. And then he goes into a big sermon on who God is. And how dare we even say anything about what God has done. Now, once Elihu gets done, then God says, my turn. And then in verse uh, number uh, ch- 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 chapter thirty-eight through verse chapter um, verse chapter thirty-eight through chapter thirty-nine. We're not used to reading entire chapters. All right, chapter thirty-eight through chapter thirty-nine. The Lord answers Job in chapter forty through forty-one. The Lord continues and challenges Job, and in chapter forty-two, Job has his confession and his repentance, and then God rebukes the three friends, but never rebukes Elihu. Never says a word about Elihu. So, let's go back to chapter 31. By the way, that's the end of the book. Chapter 31, Job's final, this is Job's final appeal. 
He's wrapping everything up. He gave his, uh, he's been this whole time been giving his answer of defense after each person attacking and after each reply, he replies. And this is like a ping pong game back and forth and back and forth. And now Job is, is wrapping things up. He's given us a full summary defense of all those things which he was saying. And now he's going to come to his final appeal on what he has to say in defense of himself. But I want to show you through this, I want to show you towards the end, right at the end of chapter 31, I want to show you an issue that we see. The last verse, last verse of 31 and the first verse of chapter 32. And you'll see in just a moment why God spoke up after Elihu and why God rebuked Job. And then we're going to see God's answer. All right, so let's read chapter 31 together. Here is Job now giving his his final appeal. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? By the way, he, he, he is actually giving a full defense and he is he's justifying and qualifying because uh, there's been accusation that somehow, some way, Job was unfaithful to his wife. Okay? So he's going through... And he says, verse number two, for what portion of God is there from above and what an inheritance of the Almighty from on high is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity or if my foot hath uh, hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. If my step hath turned out of the way and mine heart walked after mine eyes, and if in any blot have cleaved to mine hands, then let me sow and let another eat. Let, uh, yea, let my offspring be, be rooted out. If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait uh, at my neighbor's door, then let my wife uh, uh, grind unto another, and let others bow down upon her. For this is an, an, an heinous, uh, heinous crime. Uh, yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction and would root out all mine increase. If I did despise the cause of my manservant or of my maidservant uh, when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up and when uh, he visiteth, uh, visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him and did not one fashion us in the womb? If I have withheld the poor from the, their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel myself alone and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof. Uh, for, For from my youth, he was brought up with me as with a father and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen uh, any perish for one of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, if, if, uh, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help uh, in the gate, let, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade and mine arm be broken from the bone. He say, what? I'm going to stop right there. We got a little bit more to go. But you say, preacher, what is all this? Listen to what he's saying. He's, he's speaking in his defense. He's doing what we do. 
If I'm lying, let lightning strike me. That's what he's doing. And he's laying out, he is laying out everything that man is thought to, you're supposed to do to be a good person, to be a righteous person. Feeding the poor, taking care of the widow, making sure the, that, that those that are hungry are, are fed, making sure that those uh, that, that, are, that are naked are clothed. I mean, he's going through the entire list of all the do-gooder deeds that he is expected to do, taking care of his, uh, those that serve him, uh, being faithful to his wife. I mean, all the, he is just going down a list. Even those that, that need help in the gate, and he's dealing with all that. And he said, listen, if, I, if I've done these things, if I've lifted a hand against man, let my arm fall off. That, that's what he's saying. Moving on. All right, next one. Verse number 23, I believe, right? All right, just checking. For destruction from God was a terror to me, and by reason of his highness, I could not endure. If I have made gold my hope, or have said in the fine, go- in the fine gold, thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because of my wealth it was so great, and because mine hand had gotten much. If I beheld the sun when it shineth, or the moon walketh in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For I should have died uh, the, the God that is, I should have denied the God that is above. What he's saying is, if I'm trusting in gold and I'm trusting in wealth and I'm thinking I did all this, if I'm the kind of person that's doing all this, then, then yeah, then the worst of the worst should have happened to me. But I didn't do those things. I didn't trust in gold. I didn't trust in my hand. He's defending himself. Verse 29, if I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me or lifted up myself uh, when evil found him. By the way, the Bible talks about in Proverbs not to rejoice when, when your enemy falls. And he's saying, if I've done that, but I haven't. So he, he is declaring, I get ahead of myself a little bit. But Job, in his defense, has reached a point now where he is declaring his goodness. Look how good I have been. Look how righteous I have been. Show me one evidence of any of these things that I've been guilty of my entire life. He's not speaking to God. He's speaking to his friends that are attacking him. Verse number 30, Neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by washing a curse to his soul, by by wishing a curse to his soul. I got to be able to read the words. If the men of my tabernacle said, not all that... Uh, we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to the traveler. If I covered my transgression as Adam uh, by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, he's going all the way back to saying, listen, if I was as bad as Adam and trying to make it, make it look like I didn't do anything, boy, it'd be pretty rough, but I didn't do that. He's, he's pointing fingers now. Uh, did I fear a great multitude or did the contempt of f- uh, families uh, terrify me that I kept silence and went not out 
of the door, oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that mine adversary had written a book. Surely I would uh, take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. mm. Now he's beginning to brag about how he would act if he had these things. He's starting to believe his own puffed upness. Not trying to be ugly, but he's beginning to even say, I have been righteous, I have been righteous, I have been righteous. Even if everybody had written a book against me, I would bear that book and just just take it like a good righteous man. I mean, that's what he's saying. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number. Now he's saying I would speak to God. You ready? I would declare unto him, because the Almighty would answer me. He would talk with me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps. As a prince, I would go near unto him. I understand the Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of God. But at this point, he's starting to have a bit of a different attitude about his approach. He is so determined to defend himself in the midst of these individuals who are attacking him that he begins to forget who he is and even who he's referencing now. And he's not, he's not attacking God. He's just, in, he is in defense mode of himself, closing out his argument he goes on in verse number 39, if I have eaten the fruits thereof with, without uh, money or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. In other words, he just did a mic drop. Now, he is so wrapped up in his defense that Job begins to, and, and here, here is the, the, the biggest issue, and we'll come back to it in a minute, but Job begins to declare his righteousness. You accuse me. You're saying all these things have to be so. You're pointing things out that you have no evidence of. Let me tell you, if I have done this or if I have done that, I would be worthy of this. But if I had done this and I had done that, I would be worthy of that. But I've done none of these things. I have been faithful to the father and the widowless, the the widows. I have been been faithful to feed the hungry. I have been faithful to take care of those the servants underneath me. By the way, go all the way into Ephesians. Read about fathers to their children read about masters to the servants read about all the things that are commanded in faithfulness and how you care and deal with people and he is defending every single one of those teachings that we see are important for a child of God to live by to prove that they are living according to God's will and doing according to God's way. Not that we're earning salvation, but, but he is defending himself saying, I have lived a life that you cannot prove that, that I have done anything wrong. I have lived above board. I have done way more than I was expected to do. I have made sure that no one slept in the streets. If I was aware of it, I gave him a room. I have been the epitome of a righteous man. Prove me wrong. Now in this moment, 
Look at chapter 32, verse number 1. He ends, the words of Job are ended. Verse 1 of chapter 32. So these three men ceased to answer Job, his three friends. Why did they cease to answer him? Because he was righteous in his own eyes. At that moment, the back and forth ping pong game ended and they said, what's the use? He has just given a a, a huge dissertation of everything and we honestly don't have anything to point out specifically. We're just saying it's got to be something. And so they just stopped talking because they perceived and they saw that in Job's eyes, he was going to defend his righteousness to the death. Now, after that, Bible says in verse number 2 of chapter 32, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barako, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram, against Job, was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God? Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer and yet condemned Job. There's your reason why he goes on, on his rampage, which again, I remind you, God does not rebuke him. Now, let's look and see very quickly, if you would, with me. I know it's a lot of reading, but it, it, it just drives home this whole point. And here's the chapters that I mentioned in Wednesday night. Chapter 38 and 39. After Elihu gets done, by the way, I, I, I love the last two verses Uh, of what Elihu has to say, the last two verses before chapter 38, Elihu ends his entire speech with this, touching the Almighty, in other words, in reference to the Almighty, concerning the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict In other words, God does not do things just to be mean. He does things with purpose and reason. He allows things with purpose and reason, and his purpose is perfect. Verse 24, it says, uh, of of, uh, of, uh, chapter 37, Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. What was the problem of Job's three friends? And at the end, Job himself he rebuked them because they thought they, had, they were wise of heart. Let me set you straight. And Elihu came in and he said, who do you think you are? And then, chapter 38, God comes in and says, my turn. I'm going to say exactly what he just said. Who do you think you are? Now watch. God does not speak to the three friends. He speaks to Job. 
because Job is the one that God has sent this on. Job is the one that God is dealing with. And Job is the one that God wants to keep within his will. And right now, Job is of an attitude. I'm being unjustly attacked because I am a just man. I'm a righteous man. And God's about to correct his thinking and bring Job back to some humility instead of pride. Let me read these, and, and this, is, this is the meat of it. This is it right here. Chapter 38 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who, who hath stretched the line upon it? Where upon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb. When I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it. And break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said hitherto shalt thou come but no further. And here shall thy proud way. Be stayed. Uh, by the way, look at the moon, look at, look at the, 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 the gravity, look at the waves, look at the high tide, low tide, all, all of that. Who stops it? Who set it in place? Who said you can go this far but no further? That's what he's saying. He's literally describing creation. And, and in greater detail than we have even in Genesis. And uh, he goes down um, in... Verse 13, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it. Wait, did I miss 12? I missed 12. Hast thou commanded the morning since, the day, since thy days and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked uh, might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay uh, to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? By, uh, by the way, <laughs> Uh, scientists are finding out uh, uh, over time, they're finding out that the, the, the great description of God's creation and how he created even in the depths of the sea, the deeper they go and the more they can find, the more they're finding that God's description is accurate to how things work that we don't, didn't even know about. I think the one who made it can describe it very well goes in verse number 17. Uh, Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Uh, uh, declare if thou knowest it all. Uh, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Uh, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest 
thou it because thou wast then born? In other words, were you, were, you, were you alive when all that took place? Were you here so you know it? Or because the number of thy days is great? You're, you're, you're so old, you were here back when, and we joke about it, but you're so old, you are here back when everything was actually created. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have uh, reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Uh, who hath divided a, a water course for the overflowing of waters or a way for the lightning of thunder uh, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness where there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth? Hath the rain a father or, or who hath begotten the drops of dew out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Uh, who hath gendered it the waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen canst thou bind the sweet influences of uh, Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion canst thou bring forth uh, oh, this is big stone Maseroth uh, in his season or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons knowest thou the ordinances of heaven canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that a, a abundance of water, uh, waters may co uh, cover thee. Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in the wisdom or uh, in wisdom or who can stay the bottles of heaven when the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together. Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions when they couch uh, in, in their dens and abide in the uh, covert to lie in wait? Who provideth for the raven his food when his, his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of meat. <clears throat> Chapter 39. This is not Alexander Scorby, all right? <laughs> Knowest thou the time when the wild goats of the, of the rock bring forth? Or canst thou mark when the hinds do calve? Canst thou number the months that they fulfill? Or knowest thou the time when they bring forth? They bow themselves. Uh, they bring forth their young ones. They cast out their sorrows. Uh, their young ones are in good liking. They grow up with corn. They go forth and return not unto them. Who hath sent out the wild ass free? Or who hath loosed the bands of the wild ass? Uh, whose house I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwellings. Uh, he scorneth the multitude of the city. Neither regardeth uh, he the crying of the driver. You ever try to work with a donkey? They got a mind of their own. The mule. There's a reason why people just wanted to beat a mule. Because in the end, he might do what you want. In the end, he might do what he wants. And what the Lord's saying, who, who was it that actually made them that way? Who gave them the confidence to live their own life? Who gave them the ability to go out into the wilderness areas and survive it? That's what he's saying. Uh, um, uh, moving on. Verse number eight. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searcheth after every green thing. 
In other words, he'll eat anything in its path. This <laughs> is like a goat. All right. Uh, will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Now, we don't know exactly what a unicorn is as a whole, but by the way, uh, it, mythical creatures are created by man to, a, to a, a certain degree, but I believe there was actually a creature called a unicorn. Uh, it's very possible that that creature no longer exists, much like many of the large dinosaurs that used to exist. There's several reasons for it. I can't go into it all, but very possibly one of the things of reasons you don't see a unicorn anymore is whatever it was, it very possibly could have been hunted or uh, um, uh, valued kind of like the bison. The bison has no great big thing other than its value for certain aspects, and man can't seem to stop himself from doing what he wants too much. And so it's very possible uh, that the the unicorn don't know what it looked like, don't know all the details about it, uh, but as a whole, they did exist, and, and now more than likely, either they don't exist or we call them by a different name and we don't realize it, Okay. But it goes on, canst thou bind the unicorn with his bands in the furrow, or will he harrow the valleys after thee? Wilt thou trust him because his strength is great, or wilt thou leave thy labor to him? Wilt thou believe him that he uh, will bring home thy seed and gather it into thy barn? Uh, Gave us that, by the way, he's almost describing a horse. All right. Uh, Gavest thou the, the goodly wings under the peacocks, or wings and feathers under the ostrich? which leaveth her egg. Now you get this. He even describes the fact that he designed the ostrich to do what it does, even though it doesn't make any sense. Look, the ostrich, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in dust. In other words, good luck, kids. And forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beast may break them. She is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear, because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would he do that? But he's God. He made the animal exactly how he desired the animal to be. It goes on to say, what time she lifted up, uh, lifted up herself on high, she scorneth the horse and his rider. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? Uh, Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils uh, is terrible. He paweth in the valley and rejoiceth in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not affrighted. Uh, Neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him and uh, the glittering spear and the shield. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the, the, the trumpets, ha, ha. Think about it. This is God speaking. Now bring it down to a, a person talking to you. And they're saying, and think about God saying, hey, Job, do you understand? He saith among the, the trumpeters, ha, ha, ha. It's hard to imagine God doing this, but God has given man an understanding that the horse laughs at fear. The horse is designed to laugh at those that say, we're coming against you. (laughs) Bring it. Ha, ha, ha. Like I'm afraid. That's what God's saying. It goes on in verse number 25, and he smelleth the battle afar off, the thunder of the captains and the shouting, doth the hawk fly by thy wisdom? 
and stretch her wings towards the south? Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock and the strong place. From thence she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also uh, suck up blood, and, and where, the, the, uh, where the slain are, there is she. Now, it goes on. And, and listen what, what, what Job says in verse number 40. I, I, I'm not going to read much more. We're almost done. But the Lord looks at Job and says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he, now he got done with all that. Now he's not done yet. You got to keep on reading for a little bit more as he challenges Job a little bit. He talks about Leviathan. He begins to speak of what would be considered today if you actually took into the picture of what he's saying. It would actually be the description of, of great, what we call dinosaurs, great creatures of great size. And God begins to ask Job, can, you know, I'm, I challenge challenge you, uh, go, go, go get Leviathan. I challenge you, go, go command him. I challenge you, go, go take care of the waters and do this and do that. It, it, but we're not going to read all that. Right here, he, just after two chapters of, of time with the Lord, just, I mean, just letting Job have it. How would you like to be Job? Here you are, you just declared how righteous you are. What a big man you are in defense of these other little men who are attacking you. And you just declared this and God comes in after, a, uh, by the way, after Elihu, who is, by the way, the youngest of the group, comes in and gives more wisdom and preaches a stronger message of truth to all four of them. And so the youngest of them actually sets them all straight. Then God comes in and says, by the way, Job, I'm doubling down. Buckle up, boy. Get ready. I'm about to let you know something that you've forgotten. Where were you, Job? Say, preacher, this sounds really rough. No, this sounds just honest. Reality check. Where were you, Job, when everything was fashioned? Job, can you control the eagle? Can you control uh, the hawk? Can, Lord, Job, Job, did you give the horse his ability to not have any fear? Hey, Job, did you make the ostrich the way the ostrich is? Hey, hey, Job, did you do this and you do that? Job, did you bind up the waters? Hey, Job, did you, did you set the, the end points? You can go this far, but no further. Job, are you the one that can do all this? Are you that big, Job? Are you that big of a man, Job? Where were you when all this happened? And so he looks at Job in all of this. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. In other words, he's like, Job, you got something to say to me? You've declared yourself to them. You got something to say to me? Come on, Job. Tell me how big a man you are. Tell me how righteous of a man you are. Uh, come on, Job. Tell me how good you've been. Tell me how justified you are in defending yourself because you're so big and you're so good. Now watch. Job actually, after all that, at least he's smart enough to know, yeah, I'm done. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, 
but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but, but I will proceed no further. Now, I'll give you this and we got to be done. This is so fun. I was reading this and it, 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 some, sometimes things are said and you're just like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Then it hit me. Think in reality. Here's Job and, and he's answering God. He actually speaks long enough to give a slight answer. I think God gave that awkward pause moment. Let him answer it, Job. You gonna speak? Job? You got something to say? And here's Job. Uh, I'm vile. I, I, I shall uh, not answer. I don't, I don't have an answer. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon the house. And he says, once have I spoken. When was that? He was speaking to his friends. Once have I spoken, but I'll speak no more. Actually, I'm speaking right now, but I'm done. That's what he's saying. Once I have spoken, and I'll speak no more. Uh, yay, twice, but I, I will proceed no further. What he's saying is, I had a lot to say then, but I, I'm not saying anything. Actually, I am right now. I'm saying something, but I, I'm done. I don't have anything else to say. Now, I don't know if you're getting this like I got it. But I challenge you to continue reading verse 40 and verse, uh, chapter 40 and chapter 41. And look at what else God brings before Job. I'm not going to read it. We don't have time. I, it, this has been a lot of reading, a lot of stuff. But I challenge you to read those other uh, two chapters and see what else God had to say. But as a whole... What I want you to understand, Job in chapter 40 speaks up long enough to say, I am vile. It's a little bit different attitude than he had just two chapters before when he's telling his friends, I am justified. I'm a good man. I've done all the things that any man would ever be expected to do. You cannot put any blame on me. And then now he speaks to God and says, I'm pathetic. I'm vile. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. But then you see it more. I'm going to give you this last little bit. We're done in, in chapter, chapter 42 at the very end. God gets done all the way through. And the very first part of chapter 42, Job finishes his final answer. He says, the Bible says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. <laughs> so Job's revealing why God is rebuking him, because God knows the heart of Job. God knew in that moment the thoughts going through his head while he's qualifying and justifying himself as a righteous man to his friends. He is defending his own goodness. And God said, you're getting lifted up in pride and I'm about to take your feet out from underneath you. So Job, listen up. Who do you think you are? 
You're all that good. You're all that great. You have all this self-proclaimed righteousness. And yet, Job, what are you really? Job says, I'm vile. He goes on and says, I know thou, thou canst do anything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. He's saying that you ask that question, God, who hideth counsel without knowledge? I'm the guilty one. He doesn't even point to his friends. He said, it's, it's me. You're talking about me. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Now, he's not speaking wrong to God. He's speaking in a very, he said, Lord, I'm going I'm to place this before you and I need you to go ahead and, and just put me in, in my place. He said, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes goes back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had a similar scenario and he saw God high and lifted up, the Almighty, and his reaction was, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Can I just say, here is, here is as a whole, the much needed reality check. There is nobody in this auditorium that could ever stand before a holy, righteous, almighty God and declare ourselves self-righteous. Now, we make the mistake sometimes of doing it to people around us. Let me tell you all that I've done. <laughs> Let me tell you all the things that God has done with me. <laughs> As my dad said, there's one Greek word for that, puke. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, we tend to think we, we've done something for men to look and say, wow, what people? And if we're not careful, we start believing our own hype. And God says, let me ask you a few questions. Where were you when everything was created? When all that is came into existence? By the way, do you cause the sun to come up every morning? Uh, do you cause the moon to control the tides? Oh, by the do you command your heart to beat every single moment so you don't die? Who is it that controls life and death? Who is it that controls all creation? Who is it that made it all and it is for him and him alone? God Almighty. What am I before an almighty God? Nothing. Who am I that a king?
would bleed and die for. Who am I that he would pray, not my will, but thine for? The answer I may never know. Why ever loved me so, that to an old rugged cross he'd go? For who am I? That's what Job found out. I'm a nobody. But I know somebody who likes to care for nobodies. And even though he has saved me, I'm still unworthy. I haven't become someone because I'm a child of God. Woo, I'm somebody. I'm better than everybody else. No, I'm still a horrible mess. Because without him, I can still do nothing. That's the reality check. Job got it. Job repented and said, God, forgive me for my pride and keep me humble. Is the most humility is the most powerful thing that man can ever learn. True, not fake, true humility before an almighty God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have given us.